I am unashamed. What about you? Yeah, my daughter, she was like, oh, oh you're, you're going to drive? I was like, yeah. She's like, Chick-fil-A. I mean, I'm starving. <laughs> I said, first of all, you're not starving. <laughs> Second of all, that we've been so, eating like kings and queens. So what, my question is, so you, got, you have four, we established this when we were at your house, four teenage yeah. girls mm-hmm. that have been with you through this whole icebox. What have you learned about the eating habits of the teenage girl in our culture? I mean, I know you have a teenager, and she has cleft palate, so she, she has stuff anyway for all that. But I'm saying mm-hmm. you had three others that don't I have I saw it. them and gave them a 10-minute charge, but the first thing that stood out about them, teenage girls, they were as skinny as this railing right here, this <laughs> yeah. pipe. You know they what's funny? Skinny, skinny, skinny. Oh. I said, you girls need to break down and, you know, stay with these. They made biscuits, you know. Miss Kay made them, showed them how to make biscuits. You know, she's a little teaching time. I gave the spiritual side, but mm-hmm. I said, y'all need to you take your two or three of them biscuits with you and you'll eat them. <laughs> so I thought maybe Guess biscuits. Guess what? Was, you know who ate them? Me. <laughs> they didn't eat them. I ate them for three days. That's what. And then Missy made we some more. We tried to load them up, and Kay come over, and she said, I'm no. teaching them how to make biscuits. I said, you need to have plenty of butter on them, and give them some of that jelly. I said, let me go get them some jelly. I said, she said, why? I said, they're too skinny. <laughs> Bill, it gets worse than this. Missy made biscuits this morning. Again, she got up, and because I'm not, when you're just in the cabin all day right. during a snowstorm, Somebody yeah. told them too many carbs, and I guess. Oh, I know. <laughs> They're eating stuff that's like, I'm like, what? Because they, they gave a list of what they wanted in the grocery store before this happened. I spent hours in the grocery store talking to personnel on what this was. <laughs> I know it. <laughs> there was some kind of chips. I was like, I've eaten all chips. I've never heard You're of this chip. chip. And that guy said, we're out of those. I know that. Uh, pita chips. That's what it was. Oh yeah. Have you ever heard of that? Oh yeah, yeah. They're like they're like bread, but they're chips. They're come, come, come. I need to try it because that guy said, "Good luck finding that." And I said, "Here in the store." And he said, "Within a hundred mile radius." He's like, "We can't keep those things." I like them. So I got to try them. You know what's funny about they're a that? Hardy dipping chip. So Jeff volunteered to look after my Does house. that stand for the people? Is, 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 <laughs> no, treatment that, of animals? No, that, what is that? Now that's, that's PETA. There's no meat in this. PETA's going to sell us something that's you know? really going to happen. No, no, no. I think it's spelled differently. It's spelled different. So you're talking about P-E-T-A, People for the Ethical Treatment of Animals. I just heard people PETA. bring it up from time to but time. But this PETA is P-I-T-A, PETA. I'm bread. actually for the ethical treatment of animals. I just eat some of them. Well, see, that's but, where they would say you've gone off the rails mm-hmm. of your ethics is when you eat them. Genesis 9. We've gone through it. <laughs> so Jeff is looking after my house in Austin. I was like, go over there and, you know, turn my outside hydrants on and, and look in. I mean, I don't know what you're going to do about the refrigerator because I lost power over there. Because he volunteered. He sent me a text. He's like, I'll go over there. So here, here's the funny part. So he goes over there, and I see him a text later. I said, how was it? And and he said, uh, can I have some of these Zaps chips? <laughs> so he's rummaging around. <laughs> that is so Jeff. What he can do. <laughs> and that my, is so Jeff. He's supposed to be checking all your stuff, but he's checking your pantry. That's what he was looking for. Because Missy buys. By the way, <laughs> uh, you gave him them instructions. Just remember, 
that was critical instructions to leave that water dipping a little bit. That's right. Yeah. Especially in Texas where that, where that well, cause, blackout. You know why? Because we grew up out there with you. I guarantee We learned early on. You don't leave uh, the water dripping. You don't have any for, water. Hey, I spent two days gathering up stuff, coating water pipes, letting the water start to drip. I mean, I, I spent yeah. a couple of days just preparing for what was fixing to befall all of us. I said, I'm fixing to make sure these pipes don't break. One yeah. of them, I'd cut it off myself. You know, I said, that thing there is leaking anyway. I said, but I don't trust that thing. So yeah, well, just, I did the same thing. We just thing. capped well, it and wrapped it. Capped it and wrapped it. Well, the difference in me and you, Dad, to show you that how now I'm in Yuppieville, is I did the same thing except I texted my guy. <laughs> See, I... <laughs> I have a guy that does that. So I text him and say, hey, you may make sure and come by and get all these things. He said, well, I'll be right on it. Yeah. Well, the- Jimmy Ray, I used to say at the local redneck that I baptized him and training him. He's been under training for about the last 30 years. So he said, I'm out of gas, and I don't even know whether I'd make it to town or not. I said, well, the power's out. I said, we've got to go down there, one of those small generators. I said, there's a small generator down there. We need to drag it out, unplug the the fuel tank motor that pumps your gas, unplug that, fire the generation up, plug it into that, and it will release the gas pump will work. You see what I'm saying, Red, or you get no gas. Well, he tore the snow up going up through there because he said, man, Free I gas. All, I get the gas from for my for my generator for my whatever you're going to do. Because you have a gas fuel tank. Yeah, and he had about two or three five gallon cans with him. And Tony showed up and says, "You know, my generator ran out last night after twelve. I, I said, get with him. So we went. <laughs> so down the local there. rednecks were getting all your gas. We had to get power to the fuel tank, or we can't pump the fuel tank. You can't get it, or we'll try to siphon it or something. And so if you're I, new to the show, Phil lives where there's very little civilization. So you don't go to the store. No. They're, so they're, yeah, so the yeah. bottom line was. You are the store, Phil. Pretty yeah, well, you're the store. Pretty well, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll tap them later on in the summer when I find a job. I said, remember all that gas you run with all? I said, I figured that was about $40, $50 there. You're ahead of me, Red. So here's what I did. You did the little 10-minute speech to the girls. And so I, I was going to build on that because I thought, here I am. We're stuck with teenagers. We're all, let's be happy. So they're screaming and hollering and laughing and the whole time, you know, that we're there. When I came down i said let's do a little devo tonight you know it'll be fun it went from screaming hollering laughing just to dead stone cold face it was like i was fixing to torture them <laughs> and so i went through about a 20 minute devo focused on jesus and they all got up and went two minutes later i could hear them laughing and, and so i was like I looked at Missy. I said, "Where, where did I go wrong in that? <laughs> where did yeah. all their joy go? <laughs> it yeah. was so joyful to you, brother. Teenage said, girls, that, and let's talk Bible." And they're like, "I said that seemed <laughs> painful." I said, "Look, let's do it again. Let's, let's me and you come up with something." So we gave them a couple nights. We tried, which was so last night. I said, "It's time, Devo time, Devo. Look, faces fail." <laughs> what? <laughs> What is the problem here? What are we doing? 
And so I just said, maybe we'll get them to talk because Missy, Missy said, just go with the Holy Spirit. I don't know. See, I have, but your mother, your mother is, she, she's practical. She yeah. said, now listen, she whispered to me. She said, when, we, when they get through eating their biscuits, she said, I want you to give them a lesson. She said, but remember, it can't go over 10 minutes. Yeah. Well, she was she was it. letting me know, don't get on one of those. Yeah. Just keep it keep it confined within 10 minutes and then turn them loose. She knows you, you don't wanna, She knows you've been prone to tangents in the past. Well, well yeah, well she she figured, you know, boy, I mean, he's fixing to just let her rip. But I said less than 10 minutes. I said, "Well, I'll make it short." Well, this yeah. is I gave him 1 Corinthians 13. Well, one of them said uh, he read a beautiful poem, and I said, "Really?" I thought I was thinking, "Phil reading poetry—that seems weird." Yeah, that was Apostle but, Paul in First Corinthians. Well, I said, "What was the poem?" <laughs> and it sounded like a poem. Love is patient. Love is kind. It keeps no record of wrong. A beautiful poem. <laughs> yeah, she said that. That's funny. So I said, "This is so the second night I changed tactics." I was like, "So what's this about?" You know, I picked up my Bible crickets i said no go ahead i want to i want to know what y'all think what 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 is this about i got nothing so then i said are you scared to answer because i'm putting you on the spot or then i said usually somebody in that case will at least mumble jesus because that's usually a right answer to any question in bible you know i just got nothing so i said (laughs) y'all do y'all how often do you read this and one other girl said Oh, I've read it. And I said, well, what's it about? What's it about? And nothing. So I think it was more they just didn't want to answer. And Missy was like, there's no wrong answer. It's like if you see a movie, you watch the movie, and somebody says, what do you think about that movie? We're just asking that about the book. We were just trying to get into the conversation. Just a little dialogue. Never worked. It it ended up me giving a 10-minute charge that Jesus is what this is all about. And there's... there's so a, this explains a lot. So last night, you had a big brisket at your house that I saw, and I was like, man, we're cooking up everything in the neighborhood. Let me take this brisket up there. We'll get Stone to cook it. And he did. Mm-hmm. I, 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 I got those two briskets in a bit of a trade. For doing the duck hunt, yeah. yeah. So so I took the brisket Good up trade. to Stone. Yeah. It's about a 24-hour process for this big, huge brisket. So last night at supper time, so we invite Jason, Missy, and the four girls up. Mm-hmm. And we're all my family's there. There's a big bunch of us. We got all the size of mac and cheese. And, I mean, we got a big spread. <clears throat> so I look up and I see Missy. I say, oh, here's the crew. And I open the door. Missy walks in. I'm like. Where's everybody else? Oh, nobody else came. <laughs> <laughs> they don't eat brisket. They don't eat. Yeah, she's like, and it's nah. But now I'm thinking they were afraid I was going to preach to them because every time y'all got with yeah. them, it was another devo. So, so they never came. Jace was playing cards. So you never got to experience. Did you ever eat? Well, we brisket? had a neighborhood card game and we played. And but so I get home and the brisket is there, and I'm like shocking. I mean, usually if you have a brisket laid out there for over about five minutes, that's gone. They wouldn't touch that with a 10-foot pole. They're eating things that I don't know, pita, whatever. And and it was the greatest brisket I've I've ever eaten. And it it was disturbing. But, I mean, you realize there is a gap between – because I told Missy, I was like, I think we're just getting old. 
I said, we've lost our ability to relate to young people because that, that they've it seemed like a torturous yeah. devotional time. Well, I hope it finally comes together. But I was fortunate. Four sons, y'all are two of them. The other two, Willie and Jeff, the almighty said, I think I'll go with the boys on him. Yeah, because he ain't very good with these girls. <laughs> So they're harder. At least for 44 I, years. I think I think women are harder to raise yeah. teenage girls. That's what I think. Well, because I'm you're not a being male. Unkind to females. I'm just saying. Well, because you're a male. I, I struggle more relating to my daughter than I did my sons because I'm like, I can't say, hey, let's go play some football. Or let's you know let's go shoot a duck. She she don't she's like oh there's bugs. Out That's there. what I'm saying. I finally yeah. developed a little term whether it's right or not. I don't know. But women, when God made them, they're, they're strange creatures <laughs> to you. Strange <laughs> creatures to me. So yes. I'm like I don't even know what to say for. Well, them. I hate to tell you this. My wife thinks you're really weird. Does I she? Mean, yes. Yeah. She's like that man. Shocker. Is weird. I don't know how you came out of that. That's what she tells me all the time. So Shocker. I'm saying that street's going both ways. But see, that's all I knew because I had two. Daughters. I did notice that weird people tend to congregate down there on the river. Well, now that is true. Your conglomeration. That. I don't of know whether it's because I'm weird or our or, or weirdness is in. Weirdness is in. You gotta remember the weird. image you're portraying down there in Jesus is very weird. Hey. Exactly. It's a weird world out there, boys. <laughs> You're weird. I'm weird. I'm just trying to help. Yeah. Get on this book of Acts. Let's go, man. We've right, heard well, enough hang, stories. Well, hang on. Let's take a break. I got one last thing. So the curators at Bespoke Post, which is one of my favorite uh, of our sponsors, they've done it again this winter, Jace. They've got an all-new lineup of essential Box of Awesome collection for guys. That's what they call it, the Box okay. of Awesome. And it is. It's got some really cool stuff in it. So if you want to check these guys out, and they got stuff like you know grooming goods, cooking tools, outdoor gear, barware. I mean, whatever you're into, whatever your awesome is. To get started, you take a quiz at boxofawesome.com. And you take this quiz, they're kind of kind of find out what you like, the sort of stuff you do. And then they're going to send you this box full of like surprises that yeah. kind of is in your interest, you know? So I love it. I love getting mine every month. It's free to sign up. You can skip a month or cancel any time. Each box costs 45 bucks, but it has over $70 worth of gear inside. So you're getting a pretty good deal. So here's what you do. If you want to get 20% off your first monthly box, you sign up at boxofawesome.com. Enter the code Phil when you check out boxofawesome.com, code Phil, and you get 20% off your first box of awesome. I got one last thing before we leave the, the, the ice up. So the week for me, while everybody else, like everybody else has been crazy, is it reminded me so much of that era from 40 years ago because Granny and Paul lived next door. We would cook at their house because they mm -hmm. had the gas stove. Mm -hmm. We would come up there and sit around the fireplace. We played dominoes. So that's exactly what it was like because I have a compound situation. I got my place. I got one daughter family over here, one daughter family right next door over here. And we just rotated around each other's houses, eating mostly, because like you said, Jay, what else are you going to do? And we had a great time. We played dominoes. We played cards. My grandkids were there. You know, it got a little cabin fever, but you could move to another location to sort of, you know, avoid it. So well, in my I, case, it was a real positive. All I was saying is I think you, you don't realize how much the social media world has affected teenagers and how hard they are to reach until you're cooped up with them for five or six <laughs> days. Right. 
Because I still have my rule. I'm like, you know, at 11 o'clock, they have to turn their phones off. And I'm like, off. you can be on it. I just, we're going to do that in public. There's no secrets here. But you know, I we, do we, think. First time we went up there and Missy said the door's locked. She's like, we don't lock doors in this house. And if you lock it again, we'll take that door off and put it in the yard. <laughs> They're looking like, what in the world have we got into? But I'm like, no, we're not going to bring you over here, give you your own personal quiet place with your phone and see you in six days. Yeah. And let me know how that turns out. Now, that may seem harsh. But, but you know, Jess, that's probably how they may be used to living. And that's kind of the thing we're talking about. It's a disconnected culture. Supposedly, mm -hmm. the Internet connects everybody in social media, but really it disconnects from just having a conversation mm -hmm. where you don't even know what to say. You, you are correct. I think it's. Well, that was what I was going to do yeah. before I got to rambling on. My point was that social media world has made it really difficult to have a conversation with your, your teenagers. Yep. I mean, I know there's a lot of people listening. It's like, I don't know what to do. Look, I don't either. Yeah, I did stuff. the best I could because you know what? We're going through acts, and I thought, Peter, when you, when you get all down to what happened, the birthplace of the church and people finding relationships in God and experiencing this joy and purpose in life, it all started with just a speech. He got up and said, here's Jesus. Right. He introduced Jesus, not in a long, I mean, the whole sermon. How long would it take you to read from 14 to 38 in Acts 2? Not long. Three minutes? Yep. That's it was right. a three-minute presentation of Jesus, and 3,000 were cut to the heart and responded, and their lives were forever changed. Yeah, wokeness has come up on you guys, and just remember, wokeness is a joke without hope. That's what it is. Yep. It's a man-made construct that is a bunch of bull. Y'all right. keep coming up with this, and I, I still don't understand what that is, but we'll save <laughs> yeah. that for later. It's what you're battling with with them teenage girls. You're battling wokeness. Who invented that word? That's all I'm trying to figure it's out. It's not but about 10 years old yeah. or less. It's well, they just, claim they it's wake just up. something. Somebody's truth comes up, and, yeah, this is my truth. Well, this, I'm woke. guess what? This morning I woke. And I looked around. That's as far as I got down there. Well, well that's, that's the problem. That's exactly right. Well, look, just to wrap that up, there's a word that I've learned, and Jace, you helped me learn it. For kids and grandkids and devices, the word is no. Yeah. Yep. You know, so my grandson comes in and says, Pap, can I get on the iPad? No. We're fixing to go play outside. We're fixing to go do this. We're fixing to go do that. So I think that's good advice for folks. So we're in uh, <clears throat> Acts chapter 6 is where we left off. Uh, Zach and Jason and I got into the first part of this when we were talking about the the issues they were having with the early church, and they appointed these seven guys basically to take care of these widows that were they were having some issues. Because they were growing, and when the church grows and becomes bigger, challenges come yeah. from that. That's yeah. why what I've seen in the local churches, most churches, they will grow up at one time in their history. That's right. And then it just goes right back down, and it goes back up, and it goes right back down. Because every time there's more people, yeah, there's more problems. That's right. So that's why when in this quest to win the world for Jesus, which we know literally, everyone's not coming to Jesus. Right. But at least because they did it in their lifetime, we know from Colossians one, which yep. is a very interesting obscure passage, passage that says they 
had shared Jesus with the entire world. No, there wasn't that many people in the world. I'll find that. Well, and so that's Lots of <laughs> one about 18 or 19 is where it is. So Close it, enough. In this text, Dad, we talked about last time you weren't there, that you, you're seeing for the first time a need to sort of organize how they're going to go forward because this thing's getting big. And the bigger it gets, and like Jay says, people people are messy. I mean, like, people got problems. Yep. So when you're when you're got more and more people coming in, all of a sudden we got this little division between the people with Grecian background versus Hebrew background. Mm-hmm. So you got all these little things that are arising. So out of the seven guys that were appointed, one of them who who Luke says he gives a little caption for him. He says Stephen in uh, verse uh, five that he is a man full of faith and of the Holy Spirit. So he kind of stood apart a little bit, I think, from the seven. So now what Luke's going to do as we get down to verse eight is he's going to go right into the story of Stephen. And I don't know how much time went by here, but the story of Stephen from when we first find out about him to the end of his story in the Bible is going to be about a chapter and a half. I mean, it, it went down fast. Plus, for if this you man. see the the goal, and which is uh, sometimes lacking to Jace's point when more and more people – which is the goal, it presents problems because right after Stephen is mentioned, man full of faith, Holy Spirit, and then the rest of them, uh, they prayed for him, laid their hands on him. The word of God spread, which is the point, yep. and the number of disciples in Jerusalem increased rapidly, which yep. is the point, yep. and a large number of priests even became obedient to the faith. So he's telling you what their job was. And well, they basically think- were, were like now, 2,000 years later, I mean, nothing has changed too much. Here's Stephen, that he was seized. He was persecuted. But y'all remember just what happened to me five, six years ago. You know, somebody said, you know, it's homosexual behavior or sin. Well, I just quoted a verse where the Apostle Paul. And all heck broke loose. Yeah, and they all blamed me for just answering the question instead of, but they were really blaming God. But they well, created friction, and yeah. they say, well, we're not going to do that. We, we don't like him anymore. Right. But in this case, what's interesting to me, if you just look at this whole section and try to sum it up, the church is growing. Yep. They're trying to take care of the problems from within right. with who's going to take care of who and what responsibilities you have. Then other religious people, and I mean that religious loosely, they don't like what's going on. They look at this group and say, oh, they don't even, they're not worshiping the same place. And this whole banter and friction comes over about this place. Yep. And the reason I know that is because in verse of chapter six and verse, uh, where is it? 14, 13, 14, 13 and 14. It says they produce false witnesses who testified this fellow never stopped speaking against this holy place and against the law. So, the temple. So they just made this up, and it and it comes from this idea. You remember in John where Jesus said, yep. I'll destroy this temple and raise it up in three days? And everybody looked around because they were talking about the temple of Jerusalem. I've been to Israel. I've seen how they where the wall used to be, how people respond and react to it. Look, it is still... If you want to get your your butt beat, do something in that area. <laughs> they will descend on you from both sides. Oh, right. yeah. That is considered holy ground. On two different religions. That's right, from both sides. And so this whole debate 
And this whole argument, now granted, this other side, they're lying, producing false witnesses, which is exactly what happened in your case. That's right. All of a sudden, people are saying you were prejudiced. and racist. They were trying I'm to a whip up the crowd, you know. Homophobe, racist. And, and so what's what's amazing is in, in Stephen's sermon, which was, this was more of a seven to ten minute <laughs> lashing of a you, you putting your religious beliefs tied to a place. And it, he goes back and tells a story about Moses where when he took off his sandals, he said, this place is holy ground. Well, it led to one of my favorite verses in the entire Bible, which is in chapter 7 and verse 48. He says, however, the Most High does not live in houses made by men. There's a bumper sticker. So the whole point of this is he was sharing Jesus, the person, and they were attacking him because he was desecrating the place, which you remember when Jesus told the woman at the well in John 4, there'll come a time where people, because she said, what place are we going to worship? And he said, there'll come a time where we're not going to worship in places. You won't say, well, we worship here or there. Because we worship in spirit and in truth, Jesus being the truth and actual person. Yep. So I was just setting, that's basically what happens and what made him Which so Which is mad. human nature. The point is, even today, they think most people, and they're Christian people. Most religious they people. They think, agree I have to drive up. Or it used to be they'd ride up on a horse, but now they're pulling or walk, or walk. But now they get in the vehicles and they pull up to the, what they call the. This is a place of worship, and they'll mm-hmm. call the inside of it the sanctuary. That's that's the most holy place. Most, most holy place. <laughs> they're still talking about the place instead of realizing on Monday after they drove to the place of worship. Monday. Where you work is where you worship, and where you shop is where you worship, and when you're home with your children is where you worship. It's a lifestyle of worship where two or three are gathered together. Jesus said, I'll be there. So we got it down again to the place. That's why we call it going to church. Exactly. But you say, well, how come that phrase is not in the Bible? Going to church. What do you mean? You are the church. Yeah. So look what we've done to that out, how hard it is to get past just that. And it started right here in Acts chapter 2. If you preach this sermon in Acts 7, you'll get the same response. Yeah. When, when, when I was in Israel and hang, our... Hang on, Jess. Let's take a break. When our guide, <clears throat> who was a lovable guy, I love this guy, befriend him. But he didn't believe that Jesus is the Son of God. And so... I made it my mission to share Jesus the entire trip for 13 days to this guy. He was funny, had great sense of humor, but and he was very bold about his beliefs. And so I, I thought, how am I going to reach this guy? So I went with Acts 7. I went with Stephen's speech. You know what response I got? The exact same. La, 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 la. Hands over the ear. <laughs> no. Didn't want to hear that. No. <laughs> and so, I mean, I'm laughing about it. It wasn't funny, but I just, it was, a, I was amazed that I'm like, read Acts 7, but he stops reading from Matthew on. 
Yeah. You know, he, he, Malachi, that's it. We're stopping. End of the line. And look, he's got a right to believe what he wants. I love sure. the man. And I, 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 you know, I shared Jesus. But it was amazing when I went into this place versus person, how I drew the same ire as we do, even in our daily activity and conversations. There's a lot of people that they'll get all bent out of shape on what happens at the place. Right. On a particular Sunday morning. Which brings it up to a a pretty good point. The place of worship is here right now. You say, what are y'all doing? We are telling people about Jesus and what happened 2,000 years ago, members of the kingdom of God, men and women, and the friction that developed with Mm. numbers. We're trying to show them what worshiping God is about. We're all worshiping Mm. God as you listen on your black box you're listening you're hearing scriptures come out. You say, what are you doing? You're aware of God and yeah. you're bowing your knee to him. Yeah. You are speaking good things about Jesus, the son of God. Look, every morning, Phil, when I wake up now, I'm telling you this within context of I have four teenagers that have been in my house for days. I, I listen to contemporary worship songs to start my morning. And guess what? I can't help but sing. I can't worship quietly. And so on about day three, the girls asked Missy what what this strange, awful ritual, this noise, this, this cry this for scre- help. This screeching noise. What is this that happens A every morning? crying out in the wilderness. It was waking them up. And so she told me. She's like, oh, he's just crazy. You know, he sings. He can't help it. And I'm like, so let me get this I'm, right. You're a godly man, but they, you're crazy with with uh, your woman's always using nuts. Well, then I'm yeah. weird and you're nuts, Jace. We're not getting, we're not making much headway, son. Yeah, I know. Well, it's like I told Missy a long time ago. I quoted that First Corinthians. Uh, where is it when Paul said, "If I'm out of my mind, it's for the will of Christ." Yeah. I mean, he basically said, "I'm crazy," <laughs> but I'm doing it for Jesus. So I really like that verse I'll, i've been I'll, called worse well yeah. let me back up so so but it, al for i was just to make that point i told those girls i was like look you don't worship once a week that is a losing recipe yeah for living a godly life that is correct so i can't help it i will try to go outside even though, because I can't sing very well, but I'm really going through the day here. I mean, I can't turn turn on, you know, graves in the gardens and go, oh, you know, graves in the garden. No, I got to belt it. I think so, the, I think your truck may be your sanctuary, Jason. I think that may be your spot to be the least offensive to those around you. Were you going to read us a verse? Or I was looking up that verse where you said, if I'm out of my mind, because people oh, okay. have sent me emails. They're like, you mentioned that verse. I don't think that's All right. When there. you find it, let us know. <clears throat> so I want to go back to Acts 6 before the text you just read. And I want to read something because I think this shows you sort of, <clears throat> I think this is a bigger picture way that the evil one operates. Because I want to see if you recognize how this goes on even today. Second Corinthians five thirteen was go. the crazy verse. That's the that's Jace's verse. So in in six in verse eight we talk about Stephen and he has these great things that are happening and he's helping people. He's got mirac- miraculous signs and things are happening. But verse nine says opposition arose. Mm. So here we go. 
good things are happening, but there's a certain group of Jews, and they were called the synagogue of the freedmen. Which it, is interesting now. Look, how here's a group named the synagogue of the freedmen, and they're in prison. <laughs> Their prison is the synagogue. That's exactly right. <clears throat> and the law. and the Ironic. Prison. Ironic. So here, but here's the verse I wanted to zero in. Verse 10 says, but they couldn't, so they're arguing with him, but they could not stand up against his wisdom or the spirit by whom he spoke. So here, yep. here's what you see. So you got truth. And it's just, it's out there and they can't deal with it, right? That's They're it. arguing about it. So what do you do? You go around and you build a false narrative. You and get, you persecute. And you persecute. It always leads to violence. Always. So when you think about this, this is what I wrote down. When you can't win an argument with truth, you must create a narrative. Then you attack. And when the attack doesn't work, then you deceive. Then you try to cancel the truth teller. Yep. Right. And they form a little group. Then they seek, verse uh, 11, they secretly, Al, persuaded some men to say, we yeah. heard Stephen speak words of blasphemy against Moses and God. So you got to get your little troop together because yeah. numbers tend to be. And call yourselves. Well, it's 2,000 years since this went men. down. I see no difference between that what's, was my going, point. Exactly. what's which, going on now. Well, in the political you world, you really see it. But sure that's, in the church world, it becomes politics. It does. They, these guys are saying, we're the free people. Right. No, you're not. And they're lying. They're being deceitful. Yeah. And they've attacked all of their faith to a place. Doesn't matter how you live, obviously, because integrity doesn't mean anything, because you're lying and making up accusations are not even true. Exactly. To me, it's just so ironic. I mean, we call this the suitcase sermon, but it's actually a coffin sermon. I mean, they killed him for attacking that. They killed him. But if if you come in Sunday morning, you preachers out there, and you title your sermon, The Freed Men Locked Up in the Synagogue, that's your sermon title. Guess what? Pack your have, your, have your bags <laughs> packed. If your points are what happens in here, so, it is what it's all about. Guess what? They will fire you. So let's, uh, let's take another break. Yep. That's why I never take any money when I'm preaching the gospel on Me Sunday. Me either. But when Jason. Because you say, so why? Because they can't fire you if they don't hire you. That's right. Because your suitcase is already packed. So Jason yeah. and I, when we're in preaching school. The, the reason I call this, we were, Jason and I call it the suitcase sermon, is because we were trained, we were taught, now there's going to be a sermon, you're going to be working for the church, you're doing your best, you're mm-hmm. preaching, and then you're going to get all fired up in the spirit, and you're going to see something that's sort of new and different, you're going to get in there and you're going to preach that thing, and you're going to be yeah. passionate about it, and that's what we call the suitcase sermon. Yeah. Because <laughs> they call you in the back after. You mean they had a name for oh, it. They had a name yeah. for it. I'll give you the title. Prisoners <laughs> in the church. That's right. They're going to fire you when, when you preach that, when you're tying it to the place. Right. Which is what this was all about. I mean, when you read Stephen's whole account, he was trying to get them to focus on the person of Jesus and get off the place and the old ways of the Jewish well, law. And the point to our instructors and our mentors was not don't don't preach that sermon. Their thing was, oh boy, is this going to happen? And and that's what you'll get run off from this place or that place or this place because yep. it goes again. So it takes it back to these people. But Jay's, you mentioned you mentioned the holy place in the temple, which you're exactly right, and he addresses that. But there was two parts to that. Look back at verse thirteen. Not only was it the place, but also against the law. He says in verse fourteen, for we have heard him say 
that this Jesus of Nazareth will destroy this place, the temple. The place. And there was some truth in that, in the sense that it was going to happen in AD 70, but that's what they do. They take a little truth and twist it and change the customs Moses handed down to us. Old habits are hard to break. By the way, going back to chapter 5, when they first started in on the apostles, before you get to Stephen, Peter and the other apostles replied when they're under persecution now, and Stephen the same way, we must obey God rather than men. Yeah. Then yeah. he preaches the gospel, the God of our fathers raised Jesus from the dead, whom you had killed by hanging him on a tree. And he, he exalts him to his right hand. The whole gospel and the mediating work of Jesus is brought out. The apostles were just going back to that every right. time. They'd go back to that. Yep. They'd go back to that. Every time one of these things happened, they went back to the gospel. They went back yeah, to the gospel. That's right, every time. Throughout well, the book of Acts. And so does, so does Stephen. That's our, by the way, that's our escape hatch. Just go back to the gospel like Jace is talking about. So it's calm down. Well, it doesn't make a difference where you're meeting. Just you worship God in spirit and in truth. There's not a place you go. But that's a hard sell even today. Right. But look, I think what he was trying to do, because if you just, he preached the Old Testament and, and pointed them to Jesus from the Old Testament, which when you got to remember, if some of you newer listeners, we're looking at the Bible from Genesis to Malachi, Jesus is coming. Right. God in human form. Matthew through John, he's here. Acts to Revelation, he's coming back. So Jesus has left, and he's taking the Old Testament, which is what we do. And you say, well, what were his main points? He was saying, look, God wanted God, the creator of the universe, who we just read, does not live in houses or buildings. He's not there. So if you put him there, wrong. Brick and mortar, destined to failure, building big wind, blow down. He built a garden. Why? Because he wanted to live with people. All right. Well, that that went awry. So then what did he do? Well, he chose a nation. Why? Because he wanted to live with people. Well, that went, went awry. Well, then they built a temple cause to worship God, right? Mm-hmm. Well, that went awry. So Jesus comes. Why? So ultimately, since God wants to live with people, he could actually live in people, which is the ultimate way to exist in a relationship. Which is why Paul would call us the temple of the Holy Spirit. And that's what they were having trouble grasping. They're like, well, wait a minute now. We're going to go worship at a place to something a million miles away. And he's like, no. And that's why when in John, where it says Jesus predicted, he said, by this, he meant the spirit who would later be in you. That's right. And all the verses that say that, you know, Christ in you is the mystery of godliness. You know, Colossians 1 says that. Galatians 2 says, I've been crucified with Christ. Christ lives in me. Correct. That Ephesians 3 says Christ is in your inner being. Well, that's the problem that they couldn't here's figure what, out. The Jews never understood <clears throat> that just because there was a tabernacle, just because there was a temple, God never said he lived there. In yeah. fact, he only came to visit once a year, you know, All right. for this atonement of sin. But he was setting the foundation. My point is, he wants to be with people. Is The overall factor to all this is God, out of his love and purpose, wants to live with people. Now, you just said it. So here's John, the apostle, who was on the scene watching all this in the book of Acts. Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God, because God is love. 
This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love, not that we love God, but that he loved us. Going back to your uh, conversation a while ago. And he sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God. But if we love each other, and here was your point, God lives in us, and Ooh. his love is made complete in us. Oh, I like that it, phrase. It's the, it's the same argument that Stephen's trying to make, and we're getting the book of Acts. John and, the Apostle was there, Al. He was watching the whole yeah, thing yeah. unfold right before well, him. And you got to remember, Phil. Seeing the friction, but not understanding what he just said in First John. That's First John 4, by the way. Look, all these hey, references. On, one last break. All these references we're reading, you know, these letters to the Corinthians, well, that was a place in Corinth that they get to later in Acts, you know, Galatia. But it's still a struggle to understand that it's not about this place and it's not about rule keeping. It's about having this Jesus as the center part of your life and then that being the motivation for right and wrong. And as an example, I want to read this in Galatians. I mentioned that Galatians 2.20. But chapter 4 in Galatians was about, they were like, okay, we'll have Jesus and parts of the law before Jesus. You know, circumcision. We'll make that right. a requirement. And so he he gets to Galatians 4 and verse 15. He's like, what has happened to all your joy? And my point about reading this is that that's why a lot of church buildings – they don't seem like happy places. There's people, it seems depressed, and you walk in, you're like, well, I thought you people were going to heaven. Because that's the end result of basing your salvation on your root-keeping skills and about how many times you meet at a place and what's going on there, right. like the day-to-day operations. It That doesn't bring joy. So he later on says... Uh, My dear children, this is in verse 19, for whom I am again in the pains of childbirth until Christ is formed in you. How I wish I could be with you. And so the point of reading that is his whole goal was for them to get that same idea that Stephen was trying to get across, that Jesus Christ, the Son of God, the image of the invisible God, could actually be formed in you. Yep. You're talking about going to a place and following a ritualistic rule from the old law. And he's like, I'm talking about Jesus being formed in your body. They're like, what? John, at the end of that 14, we know that we live in him and he in us because he's given us of his spirit where the book of Acts started, the power of the spirit coming upon him. We've seen and testify that the Father has sent his Son to be the Savior of the world. If anyone, as you go forth, if anyone acknowledges that Jesus is the Son of God, God lives in him and he in God. So we know and rely on the love God has for us. That's pretty well the whole story wrapped up. So you can't do that one day a week inside a structure for a couple of hours. Nobody's going to see see how you're – they're not going to be able to see God. You're there in rows, and you don't know who's behind you because you're breaking neck looking around who it is. Look, you, you see a few, the I, back of the heads of the ones in front of you. You're in a pew. You're locked in there, but you say, nobody's seeing God with you in that 
They have to see how you operate when you're out there in in the world. Yeah, every time Phil reads something, I I feel like, oh, I have to read this I'm just giving you firepower, Jay. (laughs) I know, because look, you remember when Jesus in John 14, this was the the question in 22, Judas, not Judas Iscariot, said, Lord, why do you intend to show yourself to us and not to the world? Because he was trying to figure out big picture. What's going on here? What's your big, great plan? And his response was, if anyone loves me, he'll obey my teaching. You, you don't you don't obey God based on a rule system, you know, under the nation of Israel thousands of years ago. He's like, if you love me, oh, you'll, you'll get it right. Then he says this, my father will love him. This is the guy loving Jesus. My father will love him and we will come to him and make our home with him. Uh, that's it. That is the complete opposite of what's going on in the religious world in Stephen's day, which led to his death, and in our religious world. Correct. They're not talking about them coming to make their home with you. We're trying to figure out what place we're going to go a couple of hours a week and how everything's run here. And if we agree with it, we may we may drop a little money in the collection plate, <laughs> and we may come back. You get out of line, though, we're out of here. That's right. So, so one more point from the sermon, and then I want to show how he closes the sermon, because he, he chooses quite the ending. So he dealt with the, the temple in the passage you pointed out, Jays, and in, in 35 through 43, he deals with the law side of it, because he says in verse 37, this is the Moses who told the Israelites God will raise up for you a prophet like me from your own people. And that's a quote yep. from Deuteronomy eighteen fifteen. Yep. So what he's saying is you rejected Moses when he come, when he first kind of lead you out of Israel, you said, who made you ruler? Then you rejected Moses on the mountain. You said, we don't know who this guy is. Give us a golden calf. Yeah, we don't know what happened to him. We don't know what happened to him. And now you've rejected Jesus as well, who is the prophet like Moses, who's bringing in the other coast. So that was the convicting point. You know, a a preacher does a good job. That was when they said, we're going to kill this guy. That's right. I think Al, where he said that, then he said, you stiff necked people with uncircumcised hearts That's where I was going. That's where he got to in verse 15. I think that's when the the coffin started being formed in the back room. It reminds me of that movie, Old Brother Arthur, when they kept bringing in the cross, you know. Yeah. They're like, hey, buddy, this time is you, up. You want to threaten us? Well, you know, it reminded me, Jay. There were two things I remembered from preaching school. Carl Allison used to tell us, boys, if you hadn't struck oil in twenty minutes, quit boring. That was one thing that I remember. And the second was that Smith told us. He said, when you preach a sermon, you want to make a mad glad or sad yeah you want to have a reaction is what he said carl also said if you preach a sermon over 25 minutes you need to stop doing that go home and write a book (laughs) that's right so they were trying to tell us be brief you know so when he closes with you stiff-necked people with uncircumcised hearts and ears you are just like your fathers you always resist the holy spirit he goes all the way back and said, Ooh. all this time. So he just drills them. So their answer well, to this in verse 54, what's their response? Because I, I want to get a response out of them. When they heard this, they were furious and gnashed their teeth, gnashing teeth. But Stephen, full of the Holy Spirit, looked up to heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand. Look, I see heaven open and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. And then they covered their ears on that one. Then they started. I have a couple points to say on that. 
Number one, if you read from Hebrews 1, it says Jesus, after he provided purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of God. So I've always, when I when I Yeah, he's saw still, that, still standing here. Well, he stood up. Yeah. And yeah. I thought, you know, what this did was, because I used to always say that Jesus represents us in heaven and we represent him on earth, which I agree. But I also am aware from this happening that Jesus is fully aware of what's happening here. Sure. And we're suffering in his name. It gets his attention. I mean, there's no doubt in my mind that they use the word standing there instead of like in Hebrews where it said he sat down on the right hand of God, which you say, what does that mean? Represents God's power. That's why when he said all in authority on heaven and earth has been given to me, therefore go make disciples of all nations. But there's also a te- uh, Mark's version in, in chapter 16 when he said, uh, go preach the good news in all the world. Whoever believes in is baptized. And then he went through the signs that would accompany him. Then it says in like 19, then he left. In, that, in Mark's version, he leaves right then to the right hand of God. But in verse 20 of Mark 16 is, is one of the most motivating verses to me in the entire Bible. Because it says, then the disciples went out, and there's a little phrase. It says, and the Lord worked with them. And you're like, well, wait a minute. I thought he just went to the right hand of God. And that's what we do through faith in our day-to-day lives. You realize that Jesus is as real now as he was then. And every once in a while, I'm sure in some countries when you are persecuted to the point of this, he stands up and takes notice. But I believe God works in setting up situations you can call it supernatural. I don't even care if you call it miraculous. You know, we know he worked with giving those them the gifts. But to say that God quit working today through us and the declaration of Jesus, I think is crazy. It, it works every day that you mention his name. Well, let me let me read his last words because we're almost out of time. While they were stoning him, because that was their response, more violence. We've been talking about the violence. They said, we're going to kill him for what he just preached, truth. Stephen prayed first, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit, which, by the way, is exactly what Jesus said whenever exactly. to, to God when he died. Then he fell on his knees and he cried out, Lord, do not hold this sin against them, which, which again is, exactly, is just what Jesus said. So, I always bring this up when we talk about baptism. Love and, always forgives. Always, always forgives. always bring this up when we talk about baptism because you get to reenact Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection in water. You read Romans 6, you see that. I mean, what a privilege God gives us that. But in this case, Stephen literally reenacted Jesus' death. He's out there trying to make the world a better place, trying to do what the creator of the universe wants you to do. He's been done wrong. He's killed, and you will notice that, I mean, Jesus could have stopped it. Yeah, He, sure. he could have just, and you say, well, why didn't he do it? Other people rise up yep. and keep declaring Jesus, and that's how the world, up until this very point, goes on. That was God's plan. It went worldwide. Went worldwide, and we hope that it goes worldwide Stephen again. Stephen himself yep. had miraculous power, but he didn't stop it either because he that's knew right. it was time to go. All right, we'll pick it up next time. Good stuff. Thanks for listening to the Unashamed Podcast. Help us out by rating us on iTunes. And don't miss an episode by subscribing on YouTube. And be sure to click that little bell to get notified about new episodes. And for even more content that you won't get anywhere else, subscribe to Blaze TV at blazetv.com slash unashamed.